You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. Today we are starting our new study in the book of Daniel, and this is our first time doing it in this new format, this new setup here, but it's going to be a familiar uh, layout as far as what we've done in the past. So if you've listened from YouTube or if you've been a part of these Bible studies for a while now, then you're going to recognize the layout, the format, and we're going to be sticking to basically a very familiar approach to studying God's Word. Um, So we've done several book studies in the past already. We started with Philippians, and then we did James, Habakkuk, and 1 Timothy. And so now we're starting into the book of Daniel, back in the Old Testament, and I'm really excited about this study. So uh, it's not going to be much different than what you're used to. It'll be pretty familiar. And we're going to start by jumping right into the first verse of this book as we get started here today. So Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. And the Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, into the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. So we see right in the very first verse, This book commences with an announcement of a year, the acknowledgement of two kings and their kingdoms, and the account of a battle. And with those three facts, one of the greatest books of prophecy is underway. And we're going to see the significance of each of those aspects as we go throughout this book. Just the mentioning of the year, the details of the kings involved, um, the punishment of God on the Jewish people, All of these are going to be constant themes as we go throughout this study. These elements are going to be carried through the entire book, and you'll see that in the weeks to come. But first, I wanted to start out by considering some of the unique factors of this prophetic revelation from God. Some of these things you might not have thought about, but as I've been studying and reading some commentaries, a lot of these um, unique kind of rarities jumped out at me. First off, think about... Um, some of the rare facts about the book of Daniel. It mentions all the major kingdoms of the the earth from Daniel's time all the way to the end of history. And something else that's unique, that's kind of rare as far as in prophetic books, is that it mentions the sufferings and the coming kingdom of Christ. So we've probably all heard the analogy of the two mountaintops in prophecy, the closer one and then the one way off in the background. That's taller, but it's it's farther away. The one in the foreground has the cross on it, and that's Christ's suffering. And so that's what was near, and then far off in the background, but more prominent, uh, bigger, larger, higher, is the second mountain, and that's Christ's kingdom. But the valley in between is considered the church age because it's pretty much out of view in the Old Testament. Well, Daniel describes both. He describes the cross and the kingdom on both of these two prophetic mountains, if you will, with that analogy, and he even hints at what lies in between. So this is really rare in prophecy. 
Something else that makes Daniel unique is that it covers multiple reigns. Okay, this is written by someone who held leadership positions in three world powers, Israel, Babylon, and Persia. And to him, it was given the responsibility and the calling of God to record special revelation about the coming kingdom of Christ. And we're going to see that. That's very exciting. There's not a whole lot in the book of Daniel that talks about the kingdom of Christ, but what he does say is very powerful and very specific. And not only does it talk about Christ's coming kingdom way off in the distance in the future, but he talks about Christ's current involvement in the kingdom of men, as we will see. So we'll get back to that here in a few minutes. But then he calculates precise ranges of time. So there's numbers of days, months, and years, and they're given specifically so that the Bible student, the Christian, can unmistakably gather this evidence and see it validated and played out in history. There is a lot of specific dates and time spans mentioned, and every single one of them is independently verifiable by secular history and archaeology. And that's a gift for the Christian, because that's that's really a recent thing that we're able to see so much of what was prophesied uncovered from the ground. And it, it just validates and strengthens our faith. It's really a unique time that we live in as Christians. And it's a time for us to strengthen our faith by all these discoveries that are coming out that just show that what the Bible said all along is true. Here's another thing that makes Daniel interesting. It's comparative to Revelation. Okay, so what I mean is you can draw a lot of comparisons between Daniel in the Old Testament and Revelation in the New Testament. In fact, Daniel is basically the revelation of the Old Testament, if you want to think of it that way. So both of these books, Revelation and Daniel, were written by special men, dearly beloved by God. They describe events concerning the end times in great detail. Both books are essential for a correct understanding of Bible prophecy and what is to come. Actually, Daniel has been called the backbone of Bible prophecy. And Revelation, obviously, is there's nothing like Revelation in the New Testament when it comes to prophecy. That is the book of prophecy. And it gives such clear detail of what's coming. And that's what Daniel is for the Old Testament. Both of these books contain last events for their respective testaments. So in the case of Daniel, his prophecies involve content that goes all the way up to the Roman Empire and then to the tribulation describing the kingdom of the Antichrist, which is very similar to Revelation, and even Christ's kingdom. And so this content is much goes far beyond the content of most of the minor prophets, even though those books come after Daniel in the order of the Old Testament books. Okay, and we've already mentioned that Daniel compasses the rest of human history, which is one of the reasons it's been so attacked. So as we start out this study, I think we have to begin by defending God's word against some of the liberal scholarship of our day. Okay, then we're going to see some of the introduction, some of the preliminary things of the book, um, some of the theme of the book. But we'll, we'll probably be getting to that more in our next episode because I wanted to spend the, the majority of the time today looking at the authority of the Bible. Okay, Because if we don't start at this point, 
if we don't um, be well grounded at the very beginning that this book is authoritative, that every date that it mentions is accurate, every name of, of a king, every event, every prophecy that the author is who he said he was, that these are real prophecies, that they were written a long time before these events came true. It wasn't doctored up later. It wasn't edited, added to, tampered with. We have to nail down the authority of the Bible. So let's cover some of the main reasons that we have to trust the reliability of the prophecies, including uh, these 12 chapters here that we see in the book of Daniel. The first thing is historical artifacts, okay? And there's so many of these. I'm just going to pick one example. And I wish I had more time to, to even talk about this one example, okay? But please, just picture with me, if you will, a room in the British Museum. Okay, so if you were to visit the British Museum today, you'll find a room called Room 10B. And in that room, there's a set of carved boss reliefs. And what that is is basically it's a sculpted projection, basically. It's like these pop-out carved images okay and and in this in this room in the british museum the wall is full of these boss reliefs that depict scenes from a serious conquest of the city of lachish in israel which happened about 700 bc now these etched panels were found in the assyrian palace at nineveh lining the walls that were about eight feet tall which is almost from the floor to the ceiling in this one room a very large room, and they span a length of at least 60 linear feet. Some people say 90. Let me just read you a description of, of these. One man said, Lachish was besieged and destroyed by the Assyrian king Sennacherib, and you find this all throughout the, the Old Testament and the prophecies and in Second Chronicles. So it was in the year 709, okay, B.C., he says, this siege and destruction of Lachish is described from the Assyrian perspective in some amazing series of boss reliefs found at Nineveh in the mid-1800s. The 90-foot-long series, so he says 90 feet long, the 90-foot-long series of pictorial reliefs from the ancient palace of Sennacherib were discovered by Henry Laird. They lined the walls of the anteroom to the haughty king's throne in order to impress waiting visitors of his military prowess. Today, they lined the walls of the Lachish Room in the British Museum, starting, standing as a mute witness before the world of the historical accuracy of the Bible for those who have eyes to see. The conquest of the Jewish city is recorded from left to right around the room. The reliefs show the Assyrians attacking the city, building siege ramp, using battering rams to destroy the walls, brutally mistreating the Jewish prisoners, so on. He says extensive excavations at Lachish, which is called Del, it's called Tel Ed Duir, in the 1930s and 1970s and 1980s, have confirmed the Assyrian accounts. An excellent copy of the Assyrian boss relief can be seen in the Israel Museum. So that's his description of these reliefs. I wish you could look up a picture of these. Um, if you do get a chance to, you should just look it up and and see some of these carvings, they are remarkable. And they are only one of the literally countless pieces of evidence that support the historical accuracy of the Bible that fill museums, books, and the ground of archaeological sites. 
Okay, so that, that's one reason we have to believe the Bible is the historical artifacts that we have in our possession. Another reason is the Christological assumption. Okay, this is something I've talked about from time to time, but have probably never clearly defined what I mean. This has to do with the centrality of Christ. Okay, he is the foundation for everything I do or believe. The reason I believe the Bible is true is rooted in the testimony of Christ. That's how it should be, anyway. So, because Christ validated the Old Testament, he substantiated all the scriptures, first of all. He said, um, unto, it says in uh, Luke 24, verses 44 through 46, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. So he validated all of scripture, the three parts of the Jewish Old Testament. He also supports all prophecy specifically. So in Luke 24, verse 27, the Bible says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he supports all prophecy. But not only that, Christ specifically calls Daniel a prophet. In Matthew 24, verses 15 and 16, we read, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So Christ calls Daniel a prophet. And because Christ is our authority, he's the one that we base our belief in the Bible on. So those are some of the reasons why we hold to biblical authority. Okay, and this is going to be a good study. I'm excited about getting into some of the prophecy. I've already been looking at it for several months now and reading through some commentaries on it. I've been learning a lot, and I can't wait to share that in the weeks to come. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.